Welcome to the High Performance CEO Podcast. This show is made with one purpose, to help you create a self-driven and engaged high-performance organization, where we deliver you proven strategies and expert interviews on how to drive significant profit growth, create a stress-free ownership culture, and give you the time freedom you always wanted from your business. And now, here's your host, highly sought-after business growth strategist and executive coach, Patrick Rogers. This is Patrick Rogers, and today we have the privilege to have Aaron Mizrahi on the show. And Aaron is the CEO of Ingredient Brothers. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Patrick. Great Absolutely. To be yeah, man. So uh, a little bit about Aaron. He grew up watching his father grow a successful import business that was built on integrity and customer service. A South African transplant, Aaron started his career at Deloitte. From there, he came to New York to pursue his MBA at Columbia 14. Aaron was an early employee at Plated, where he focused on building planning and sourcing programs. The team's collective efforts led to a $300 million sale to Albertsons. Uh, No small uh, feat there. Uh, He then went on to join Nuts.com, one of the world's largest nuts and specialty ingredient e-commerce companies. He was quickly elevated to chief operating officer in quadrupled capacity to support growth in 2020. So uh, impressive resume, Aaron. I can't wait to dive into your company. I didn't put it up there, uh, but you know, say it again, he's the CEO of Ingredient Brothers. Before we dive into your journey and just all of the, what's allowed you to be so successful, what's one interesting fact about yourself that not many people know? So I think uh, I was thinking about this question because I knew you were going to ask it, but I, I think one thing that stood to me is that, you know, as a kid, I was always a builder and I jumped from hobby to hobby. And I think that, you know, what most people don't know about me is like some of the weird hobbies that I did as a kid was I did pottery making for a number of years and I did puppet making uh, for quite a few years as a, as yeah. a kid. So don't know if you meet many people who do puppet making um, as a as a hobby. Absolutely not. Yeah. So so you made puppets. What did you like? Put them on in a show for people or? Yeah, I mean a little bit, but a lot of it was about learning to just build the puppets and like you know what it takes to build a string puppet versus a shadow puppet, and so you know a hand puppet, and so yeah, it was a it was very very long time ago, so I don't really remember, and I don't have any <laughs> relics of the past, um, and nor do I think my wife would let me keep any of them in the apartment. But yeah, it was. Uh, a, she you know, put them up on the wall. Come on now. I was trying to think back at like what are some of the the weird things I've done as a, a growing up, and that definitely was one of them. So yeah, it was a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, definitely quirky. Yeah, that's cool. How old were you when you were doing that thing? When doing I was probably things? like eight or nine. Okay, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, very cool. Um, great. So so tell us about Ingredient Brothers. Yeah, so really simple. Um, you know, I spent a number of years, like you mentioned, in the food space. Mm-hmm. Um, being the buyer of ingredients and and procuring you know hundreds of millions of pounds of ingredients from all over the world, yep. and always saw an opportunity to just um, come in. It's a very you know um, well you know I'd say it's you know a lot of the businesses that exist out there are small to medium sized businesses that have been for, around for many years, and so felt like there was a lot of room for innovation. So we started Ingredient Brothers really to try and help connect people with the the world's best suppliers and best ingredients, um, and so we predominantly work with large CPG brands, um, you know, and, or private label brands right. in the US and help them, you know, design supply chains around some of the ingredients that they're using from, from all over the globe. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. So, <clears throat> so you started what in 2021 and you yeah, guys, right. you're already at 20 people. So, so in two years, yeah. you're at 20 people 
and your annual revenues. Uh, I don't know if you want to care to share them or not, but I know you're doing pretty darn well. Yeah, I won't share the actual revenue number, but you know we've exceeded our expectations in growth, and you know yeah. obviously doing multiple millions in revenue, and 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 yeah. from a people standpoint, um, Alep and I always joke that we were gonna. He's a co my co-founder. We always joke that we were the, gonna. We thought we were gonna be two people in a room for many years, bashing this out together yeah. and, and not getting along. And you know luck, you know luck has it, and we're now twenty, and it's you know amazing to to have a great team that supports us and 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 really helping us scale. No, it's fantastic. I mean, most companies, you, you guys are in multiple millions at 20 people with two years. That is extremely impressive. And and uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. I'd love to dig into, again, like what, what, what do you think are some of the key things that have allowed you guys to be able to scale so quick? Yes, I think, you know, um, the first decision we made early on was that we decided we're going to bootstrap the business. And I think what that meant, you know, by making the decision not to raise money, it forced us to be incredibly attentive to our financials and our cash. And so because of that, we, you know, I think because of that focus on cash flow, focus on, you know, optimizing to the nth degree every cent that we had in our bank account, we were able to keep focused, which I think a lot of companies, when you raise money or you have maybe, a, you know, sometimes people say, you know, excess capital can be a curse because you land up trying to do too many things and propel growth in a way that, you know, maybe isn't natural. But because we were bootstrapped, I think it just allowed us to have incredible focus. And by doing that, we were able to close some from some sizable deals and, you know, and then continue to use that planning mechanism to, to scale and then know when to make the decision on when we can hire, you know, how many can we hire? What is the budget that we can afford so that we maintain profitability, you know, and we, you know, we're responsible in the growth that we're, we're projecting. Okay. So that's even more impressive. Two years bootstrap. That's yeah. to, to where you're at now. <clears throat> Yeah, I would say we had uh, we had some help um, on a on a line from from a bank, right, to get access to some sure. debt. Um, sure. But in general, yes, you know, completely bootstrap. But you know, you know, I'm an accountant by trade, so financial engineering is 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 my you know my hobby, and so spent a lot of time trying to understand the secondary secondary debt market. To and I think a lot of entrepreneurs maybe don't do this enough, um, you know, and don't leverage up at the beginning as much as they could. Because, you know, access to capital or having more, you know, obviously, like I said at the beginning, too much capital can be a deterrent or can, you know, hamper growth, but capital is very powerful and it does give you access to growth. So, uh, you know, very early on, I spent many, many hours meeting with secondary lenders to try and figure out how to um, get access to capital, you know, to debt when I needed it with, you know, when a bank, because the bank still won't look at us, right? Because we don't have enough trading history. And so, you know, we have managed to secure a line. And so we now have access to a good amount of working capital that allows us to fund the business. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, it's, it's, that's one of the things that uh, it's a repeat. Um, it, it, one of the questions I, I'll ask people is, you know, what's one of your biggest failures in, in that you've learned from in business? And, I can't tell probably 40 to 50% of the time it's that we took on investors that did not match our values, morals, or whatever it was, yeah. our long-term game plan. And it just messes everything up. It just makes it so sticky and you guys don't have to deal with that. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's just definitely fantastic. And I think, you know, obviously every industry is super different. Um, if I was in SaaS or if I was in consumer packaged goods and, you know, especially in the food space, 
I don't see a world in which I wouldn't be able, wouldn't need to take on VC. It's a different story, sure. Yeah, because of the just the the amount of capital required to play, but like I think a lot of focus is put on those businesses, and for good reason because there's incredible success stories come out of that. But you know, the US is in you know an, an insane market where you can make money doing almost anything, and you can build a successful business doing anything. There are a lot of unsexy tangential businesses that you know, may allow you to bootstrap and grow slowly and build uh, an amazing life for yourself and your family and and also have a lot of fun doing it that is outside of, let's say, the VC limelight. Yeah, yeah, totally. 100% agree. Um, and I know you said that you also believe in uh, implementing a, a framework of uh, objective and key results, so, so okay, OKR. So I'd love to yeah. dive into that. I think you said that's been pretty, um, you know, very integral to your growth as well. Yeah, I think as a as a company, you know, there's a I think it's the book Measure What Matters. Um, you know, and they talk about it's it's about mainly about Google and how Google implemented an OKR framework. And um yeah. I've I've really enjoyed implementing that, you know, at in both, you know, plated and at nuts, we use some form of, of OKR structure. And I think where it's, you know, you know, if you do that independent of financial planning, I think it may sometimes lose its value. But when you start to tie those two things together and you say, okay, well. What do we want to do in sales and then tie it back to an objective and really understand the variables that move that, right? So if I need to sell $10 million worth of business and I then do the work to understand what does that take? And it's like, okay, well, a salesperson can close $1 million worth of business a year and I have five salespeople. Well, then I know I'm not going to be able to achieve that. And I think that's where, you know, sometimes in the planning process, people put a number on the wall and then don't actually do the work to understand what variables they need to move and how many, how much, you know, what is the resources, what are the resources that are going to be needed to move that variable? And that connect has been, you know, has allowed us to, you know, be able to look forward with a little bit more confidence and then also keep the team focused on, you know, what work is going to have the biggest impact on, on the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so within the OKRs, OKR systems and, and, and everything, you actually have uh, meetings, separate meetings for OKRs on a regular basis? Yeah. So the way we, we structure our company, we have, uh, you know, two kinds of meetings. I would say in general, there's two themes to the meetings. The one is OKR meetings, and those are meetings that we're talking about objectives that will lead to, let's say, strategic incremental or exponential improvement in the business where we're all focused on one key, one key objective. And, you know, we'll, you know, meet, or meet around that on a consistent, let's say, weekly basis to ensure that we're staying on track and we're staying focused. And then we have a, you know, weekly business review meeting, which is slightly different if you want me to go into detail on that, but that's a slightly different meeting um, that talks about more like the, you know, pulse check or the health of the business. Okay. So you had, you, you develop these OKRs, uh, yeah. objectives, and then you have a meeting for each one of those AKRs weekly, OKRs weekly. Yeah. I think it, it depends on the scale of the OKR, but yes, I think on some of the major ones, um, you know, communication up and down within an org is so important, right. And alignment and in a small organization where you, you know, you know, while meeting meeting fatigue or having too many meetings is a real thing, it is so important to consistently align with everyone because mm. you know I think that what happens is if you allow people to run in one direction, but that's not really the direction you want to go in, then there's when you get together, there's going to be such big misalignment that no matter what happens, it you know takes everyone off course. So yeah, for like 
it, it also is a good forcing mechanism to say I can't have 20 key strategic <laughs> objectives for the True, company. Yeah. Then you, I would have know, meetings all less the time. Is more, right? Yeah. And so making sure that you have the few that you believe are the most important. And then as leaders being involved, right? We're a small business. So being involved in those so that you can provide the guidance to the team and give them the support they need to achieve those OKRs. Yeah, I love it. Love it. So then the weekly business review, you said that's kind of the health check or the pulse check uh, uh, of the business. Yeah. What, what kind of things do you do in there like this specifically? Yeah, so I think, you know, as you know, at the beginning of the business, it's all about strategic big initiatives that we're going. And then as you build a business, you start to realize, well, now you're fulfilling orders and you've right, got right. costs and you've got margin and you've got like, you know, how many followers do I have on LinkedIn? And like, what is my engagement? And so what that is, it's really, you know, I like to think of it as like a service level agreement with the organization where you're defining the bounds in which you're going to operate your part of the business. And we give each area of the business um, an opportunity to present, you know, their, you know, let's say EKG, right? Like their EKG, where as long as it's within the upper and the lower bounds, we're not going to, we're going to be okay. And we're going to say, yep, we're good to go. And then there may be targets that we're trying to hit within those, but it's really about giving leadership as well as the rest of the org, like to say, okay, nothing to worry about here. And I think that, you know, that communication, especially to leadership, just allows people to free up time where like there's one meeting and it should be the most boring meeting of the week because you should know <laughs> these slides backwards. Yeah. But it's that repetition of how do we think about the business? What mm. are the metrics that are important? Um, and and I think that that and they that that meeting evolves over time. And we I just came out of a meeting this morning around um, redoing some of the slides as we start to learn, you know, how to evolve some of those metrics that uh, are like the pulse check of the business. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, so two different meetings that one is the str strategic meeting, really, it's, yeah. it's making sure the company is moving forward strategically on key initiatives, OKRs. And then the other meeting is, I, I like what you called it, you call it like the service agreement is, is we are, are we operating the business uh, in accordance with what we said we're going to with respect to key business metrics, right. yeah. Uh, for, yeah. for example, reporting, you know, uh, those kind of things. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I like to think about it as like installing smoke detectors, right? Ah, okay. You, yeah. know, you, 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 I like to be a smoke detector installer, right? And so yeah. um, if you know where the fire is, you can go and put it out. If you don't know where the fire is, then you land up running into every building checking without, you know, and so I think that like this allows, you know, gives me and the rest of the team the confidence to know, okay, don't need to look over there but wait, I need to look over there with this person or this department needs support. Let's go in and help them. And I think that that, you know, I think that does a lot for the culture of the business. Gotcha. Love it, man. Love it. And, and it's so, you know, as, as a business consultant myself, yeah. having though, like you said, having that vision without alignment is, is nothing. Right. And that's where so many companies fall down is they have the, you know, they have this meeting and, uh, you know, then they, no, there's no system in place for a follow through and, and you've developed, which I love, which is I, what I do with my clients as well is have those two meetings, one strategy, which is totally different than operational, right, uh, yeah. yeah, metrics. So, uh, love that. In fact, there's a visual out there that I love and, <clears throat> and it says one per, you know, vision is 1% and then alignment is, you know, the 99%, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, which is, yeah. So you guys have really nailed that down. That's awesome. Um, I know what we, in our pre-call, when I asked you, what's the biggest failure that you learned from a CEO, you said it was saying yes to too many things. 
Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's guilty and I'm probably guilty today. I'm definitely guilty today because we definitely say yes to too many things still. But, you know, yeah. resource planning and understanding, you always underestimate how many people need to be involved in certain things and how long they take and how many things can you execute correctly. And I think, you know, if you start to take on and so, if you find yourself saying yes to so things during a quarter and not going back to your plan and seeing how this fits into your plan, then likely what you're going to do is just land up stacking on stacking on stacking on initiatives and then nothing lands up getting executed against properly. And so, you know, um, always check yourself. And that's, you know, something that we do all the time, right? And I think we try and hold ourselves accountable to, you know, checking ourselves on if we're going to say yes to this, like what are we now saying no to? Or what are we, you know, are we going back to our objectives? Are we taking something off? Because, um, you know, it's not like the team doubled or we suddenly added more resources to take on more things. Now, there is up. There are times in a business where you get presented with, with an opportunity, and as a founder, you need to quickly do the mental math of whether this is something I need to say yes to right now. I think that's okay, but then you need to align the team and you need to make sure that resources are reallocated to that and taken out of some things so that you can execute against it properly. And I think that that's something that founders tend not to do and tend to say yes to a lot of things, and then it's really hard to execute on those on those correctly. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what's next for your company, man? Where are you guys going? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's super exciting. Um, you know, we're uh, we're actually all going to Morocco in, in a few weeks. So oh, you wow. know, we're a completely global team, um, remote all over the world with people in the Philippines, Colombia, US, Argentina, okay. South Africa. And so um, that's going to be a first. And, and, and so we're all meeting in person for some team building and and some adventure. And so, you know, I think for us, it's really about building you know, build, continuing to build this team. Our business is really about service. And so a lot of our focus is on how do we, you know, improve our service to our customers? How do we obsess about our customers more? And how do we build a team that's aligned with that vision, that mission of really trying to, you know, give people, you know, execute against a really complex supply chain as effectively as we can and offer, and offer great service while doing that. So, you know, um, you know, we continue to grow, we'll continue to push on growth. Um, uh, you know, I'm, you know, very aggressive on trying to grow top line and win new deals and, and the team knows that. And we, you know, it's so far been really exciting. And so that's, that's been, uh, that's, you know, I'd say the next, next couple of months for us. Very cool. So, so I didn't realize that. I didn't realize you guys were, a, are you completely remote? You don't have like a geographic a physical, any kind of physical location. So, um, so tell me about just out of curiosity, how do you guys your inter intracompany communication system? Do you guys um, you guys use like a Slack type thing? Do you guys you know how do, how do you communicate? Well, I'd say yeah, that's definitely probably the biggest area of opportunity for improvement and and things that we're working on. It's always right? a when challenge have, for remote countries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you have remote teams and you have different time zones, yeah. you suddenly get to totally. Um, so much context switching and so much communication that needs to happen in in asynchronous you know asynchronous format and i think that you know you realize the 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 shortfalls of that but a lot of you know what we're trying to do we you know we build our own tech and so a lot of that is designed to help you know mitigate some of the challenges that we're facing between you know one time zone communication and then just documentation and making sure that like you know it's not just about saying something, it's also writing it down because, you know, we're not just in an office together and you can't just go over to someone. And so I think a lot of the work that we're doing is through, is through uh, you know, improving our own internal system. And then we do use Slack 
and we have a lot of uh, you know we have internal tools with regards to like pulse surveys and trying to get feedback from employees at different times oh, and you know trying to get you know for you know for a small business like us like you know some of those things are really important and and we also spend a lot of casual time in meetings which i think is you know when you're in an office when you go into a meeting everyone is like you need an agenda and you should be very disciplined about time for us it's slightly opposite right like you know we're going into a meeting but you may not see this person for the rest of the day and so you know make sure to spend a few minutes talking to them asking how their day is and, and what they're up to and you know how things are going so i think you know we we do we we try and like bring that into you know every every meeting that we have yeah, I think that's important too. And and it's real easy for us as, you know, leaders and people, uh, CEOs of, of remote teams that I've talked to, it's very easy to just have that line. You know, when you're in person, it's different. You know, we can be, you know, let's go have a beer. It's, let's relate, you know, let's talk about shoot the shit, have the family talk or whatever. But when it's a remote team, there tends to be this like this line. And it's like the person on the other side of that line or on the other side of this wall is business only okay do this do that do this and when you don't have that connection you probably yeah. start losing people yeah and you don't you know it's hard to tell when someone's having a bad day right in an office you can see right there's so many like physical you can see body language you can you know you're seeing this right. person every day and so you get used to some certain mannerisms and you know mannerisms so if something changes you can identify whereas like over zoom it's not always easy and so you have to be proactive now where you know i'd say that if you ask my team, they probably sometimes say that I'm too, you know, trying yeah. to, you know, get things done and, you know, be as oh, uh, be super focused. But yeah. there definitely, you know, is a need to always pause and, you know, remember that there's a person on the other side and you're not going to be able to go and make coffee with them in five minutes. So it is definitely a challenge. And, you know, so far we haven't lost anyone with, you know, because of that. And so I think, yeah. you know, um, it's uh, it is. It is, it is, it is tough, but we do, you know, one last thing I mentioned, we do try and create moments of in-person. And so we try and use the budget, you know, while we're going to Morocco and, you know, people, you know, our team in Argentina and the Philippines yeah, have yeah. met on occasion to try and create other moments where people can meet and, and, you know, at least, you know, develop connections. Yeah. Love it. Um, very cool. So, so let me ask if you were going to, um, uh, hire a CEO, one day to take over the reins for your company. What's the one book that you'd require he or she read before taking over for you and why? Yeah, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but uh, there's a book called American Icon by Bryce Hoffman. And it's about um, Alan Mullally and his, uh, his, you know, when he joined Ford at a really tough time and how he turned it around. And, you know, you think that like, how can a book written about Ford be, you know, be beneficial for entrepreneurs? And I just think that, right. well, one, the writing is really good, but the way they, that he tackled forward in just breaking down complex problems into simple communication and how he did i mean he, you know that's where we got the idea for this weekly business review like how he did those meetings and for them it was like a two-day meeting right literally took two full days of his week but you know a lot of that a lot of that you know coming down to like the simple variables of what is going to move the business and how do we bring focus um, I think, you know, came through in that book. And so, you know, for me, that would be number one, just because it's so, you know, in, it encompasses so much of our leadership style, as well as our, our process of, you know, working together as a team. Mm. Oh, I love it. I love it. I have not read that book. So I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah, highly um, recommended. Cool. Awesome. I want to take a few minutes and just kind of summarize some of my key takeaways. 
One is uh, you guys didn't take on any investors and that has allowed you to be, be uh, much more incredibly sensitive to cash, really forced you to optimize and be efficient as you scale the company. And, and uh, I, I love that. And you guys have obviously been very successful, 20 employees. Um, we kind of talked about vision and alignment um, and, and really how you guys use uh, OKRs uh, as the method. And you even mentioned another book, the, the Google book, Measure What Matters, which is, a, a, again, a fantastic uh, review of how Google does the OKR system. And, and you have really two kind of weekly meetings, um, one meeting for each OKR, main OKR that you have, and then you have the weekly business review, which is measuring the operational side of things, the, the kind of the service level agreement, uh, uh, per se, as, as you say. And, and it kind of uh, each area of the business, it, it kind of presents their, you know, the EKG and you have these boundaries and are, are we good or not good? And if we're, if we're not good, maybe we spend a little more time. If we're good, boom, we're on to the next topic. So it sounds like it's a very efficient meeting. And then we talked about remote teams and how you guys have been able to manage that because that is not an easy feat. It is, it is definitely not. It's, it's very rewarding. Uh, and, and some of the tools you're using are pulse surveys, which are, which are great to keep, you know, just the, the finger on the pulse, right? Asynchronous communication. And, and, and you guys use a lot of casual time uh, during the meetings. So, um, Aaron, if there was one takeaway that you'd really want the audience to absorb from our time together today, what would that be? Start a business. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Start a business. It's a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> find, find, an op find an opportunity. If I, if, you know, I think it's just uh, consistency is key when you do it, but uh, there's, there's tons of opportunity. I think it's, if you're, if you're thinking about doing it, um, it's rewarding and, uh, you know, building and managing and being a CEO is, is incredibly rewarding and, and doing it for yourself is also really rewarding. So, you know, maybe, um, you know, that's what I would, that's what I would say. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Aaron, if any of our listeners want to reach out and get a hold of you, perhaps for any follow-up questions or, or any other reason, uh, what's the best way they could do that? Yeah. I mean, best way to find me, all the company is LinkedIn. We're incredibly active there. And then if you want to find us specifically, we are, you know, obviously we're found at ingredientbrothers.com. But uh, LinkedIn is definitely a great channel to, to get in touch with us. Got it. Awesome. Well, hey, Aaron, thanks again for being on the show, man. This was great. This is a great episode. Thank you so much, Patrick. Yeah. And for the, for the listeners, please hit the like and subscribe button and help us spread the word about what we're doing here. We're helping the next generation of CEOs and leaders be that much more successful. And with that, this is your host, Patrick Rogers, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to another episode of the High Performance CEO Podcast with your host, Patrick Rogers. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out our main website at patrickvrogers.com for much more valuable information and free resources.